Let's pray together once again before we turn our attention to the Word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we ask now that at this time in our service, though we have sung your praises, though we have worshipped through giving of our financial resources, we seek now to worship you through the reading, the teaching, the proclamation of your holy word. Lord, I know that I'm unable. I know that I'm unworthy. And so, Father, in spite of a foolish and frail servant, would you speak your words to encourage us, to motivate us, to challenge us, to convict us, to comfort us. Lord, all these things are possible as we read your word. Spirit, would you come and enlighten our minds, grow us in our faith, draw us closer to you. We ask all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you today, and I hope that you do, I encourage you to take it and turn with me once again to the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians. We will be once again in chapter 5. This week we'll be beginning in verse 17 and reading through the end of the entire letter, which is verse 28 of chapter 5. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew in front of you. If you don't own your own copy of God's Word, please feel free to take that as our gift to you, and you can keep it and we will replenish it. If you don't feel like accessing the Word of the Lord in a a printed edition and you have a digital copy or prefer to follow along on the screens, all of that is perfectly fine. But however you're accessing the Word of the Lord, I would ask, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word. So we look together now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. The word of the Lord says, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test Everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we have been walking through 1 Thessalonians, we started off in the beginning of that chapter in a very doctrine thick theologically thick section of the letter he expresses a lot of gratitude he expresses a lot of thanks and appreciation to the church at Thessalonica acknowledges the difficulties that they have been going through then as we shift to the end of this letter as Paul does in so many of his letters there is a hard break and we get into a very practical section of 
Scripture. And so I, I've, we've made the joke many times. I've said, I don't know if Paul was running out of parchment or what was going on, but for some reason right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he has rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. It's just bam, 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 bam. So all of this really good and really practical advice is crammed, compacted into this one section at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. All of this is good, practical advice for our lives. But what I feel the need to remind us of every single week is that this is not a to-do list of things that if you are not doing these things exactly as they are said, in the exact order, then you are not saved. We do not believe, and the Bible does not teach, that our salvation is based upon how well we live up to a list of rules and regulations. That's not biblical. Alright, so we're going to focus this morning on pray without ceasing. The first thing I want us to think about as we think about pray without ceasing involves that very idea that this is not a religion, so to speak. Christianity is not a set of rituals. Christianity is about a relationship. So the first thing I want us to cast our minds to as we look at pray without ceasing, Christianity is about a relationship. It is not about a religion. So when Paul says pray without ceasing, he is not prescribing to us a ritual practice of prayer that we must do religiously. If you were a Muslim, then the practice of prayer for you would involve finding the direction of Mecca, bowing yourself on a quilt or blanket of sorts, towards Mecca at least five times a day in a very ritualistic, ceremonial way to say written, prescripted prayers that are not from your own mind that you pray towards Mecca every five times a day. That is a command that if you're going to be a good Muslim, if you're going to be part of the Islamic faith and you're going to make it to heaven to see Allah, then you must complete those prayers. It is part of what has to happen. That is a religion. That is a ritual. That is a religious practice. When Paul says pray without ceasing, he is not talking about that kind of religion. He is talking about a relationship. He is talking about communication within the confines of a relationship between the one and only true and living God and you. For centuries, people believed that you did not have direct access to God himself. But we are taught in Scripture that is not the case. Jesus has torn the veil. It's one of the most incredible things that happens when the ground shakes and Jesus bursts forth from the tomb. The curtain, even while he is on the cross, is torn from top to bottom. The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, where God's very presence resided, the separation wall between us and the Holy of Holies was torn to shreds. So you have access I have access directly to the Father, directly to God Almighty. We can have a conversation with the one who said, let there be and there was. Nobody else has ever done that. 
You can say, let there be a sandwich in my hand all day long. But unless you've got somebody in your life that really loves you and is going to just laugh at you and then go make you a sandwich and put it in your hand, it ain't happening. God's the only one who's ever said, let there be, and then there was. Let there be light, and light burst forth into existence. And you and I have access to that God, to speak to Him Not even like I'm speaking to you right now. Not in a setting where we're gathered around and someone is standing over other people. But face to face, as a friend, we have a relationship with God the Father. And our prayers should reflect that. Look with me at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. As we read this passage, I want you to pay very special attention to all the different relational words within this parable. Within the stories that Jesus is telling, pay attention to the various kinds of relationships that are described. He said to them in verse 5, Which of you has a friend, which of you who has a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend! Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Don't bother me! The door's shut, my children are with me in bed, I can't give up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, And it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Verse 11, what father, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion instead? If you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Do we understand the depths of the relationships in this story? A friend goes to another friend. Jesus is implying and insinuating we go to God as a friend. And that we can go to God at any point in time. And maybe God doesn't answer us because we are his friend. Maybe he answers us because he is our father and we are his children. Maybe he answers us because we have the audacity to come to him all the time, anytime, about everything. And he says, fine, I will grant this to you. In the relationship that we have With the Lord, we can go to Him as a friend. We can go to Him as our Father. We are His adopted children through Jesus Christ. We have the ability to pray without stopping to the Father because we are His children, because He is our friend. How many of you have a friend that calls in the middle of the night and you wake up because you assume something terrible has happened and that is your friend and you need to know what's going on? I'll never forget when Will Parker was here at this church Will Parker called me at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I just want you guys to understand, when a pastor gets a phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning, usually it's really bad. Something really awful has happened. And when I pick up the phone, Will Parker's on the other end of the phone, and he's crying and he's saying, Man, man. Will, what is it, man? What's going on? I am tormented. I am jostled out of bed. I grab my phone. I have no idea what's going on. He goes, Dude. 
I'm a dad. My baby was just bored. Everything's great, healthy, and fine. I said, okay, well, that's great. I'll come visit you guys in about three or four hours, all right? Good to see you, man. Get you some sleep. Congrats. So excited for you. But I answered the phone because he's my friend and he has the audacity to call me at 3 a.m. in the morning. Of course I'm going to get up and answer my phone. If you are awakened at 3 a.m. in the morning and you call out to God, he will always answer. He will always be there. Because he never sleeps, he never slumbers, he never tires. If it's good, if it's bad, if it's ugly, if it's something in between, you have a relationship with God the Father. And you can call on him anytime, anywhere, any place. That's why it says pray without ceasing, because we've got the ability to pray without ceasing. Secondly, this passage teaches us something about relationships. It's not a ritual that is required for salvation. But every healthy relationship requires constant communication. Every healthy relationship in your life requires constant communication. Husbands, try not talking to your wives for a week. See how that goes. Talk to me next week when you're sitting by yourself on the other side of the sanctuary, okay? Husbands, we all have seen the videos online where the wives start giving us a silent treatment and we act like we're all tough and big and bad and then we go tighten up the pickle jar so that she's got to say something to us. We go unscrew the light bulb so that she's got to get some help to reach up there and screw the light bulb back in. Because we can't stand the silent treatment. People in your lives that you love and adore, that you've grown apart from, they can reach out to you and you can pick back up where things left off. But if you're not in a constant form of communication, that relationship is on hold. This is true with your spouse. This is true with your kids. This is true with your parents. Man, some of us have parents that are elderly, and instead of thinking about how many more years we'll have our parents, we need to start thinking about how many more phone calls we'll have with our parents and treat those conversations differently. Constant communication is required for a healthy relationship. Listen, as spouses, as fathers and mothers and children, you can exist as roommates. Families can exist as roommates and get along fine for a while, but it doesn't cut it in the long run. At the end of the day, you're not just roommates. I'm not just talking about the kind of conversation where you go through the weekly schedule and you talk about what's coming up on our calendar and you talk about what we need from the grocery store and you talk about which kid has what ball practice at what time or you talk about what events are going on. I'm talking about real, authentic communication. You know, this is true in our relationships within the church. If you and I think that we can show up in this building, on this campus, one time a week, one time a week, and have pleasant, polite communication with all the people we come in contact with, and then go home and come back next Sunday and spend 10, 15 minutes talking to 20 people before we sit down and start participating in worship, and that that is a functioning, healthy church relationship, then we're fools. It takes more than that to have healthy relationships and healthy communication. That's what's so urgent and so essential about our Sunday school classes, about our small groups. 
Jesus tells us to pray without ceasing because he wants to be in constant communication with us so that our relationship with him is healthy. If you want to be a part of a healthy structure and a healthy church, communication outside of Sunday to Sunday is necessary. Sunday school classes are not a place for you to kill an hour of your time while your kids are in Sunday school learning about Jesus. Church is not a place for you to kill your time because you really want your children raised in the church. Small groups are not a place to go and have dinner and just chit-chat about what's been going on through the day and have no communication until the next week. That's not what church is supposed to be. That's not what our relationship with God is supposed to be. It takes effort. It takes communication. And man, COVID has just absolutely demolished those lines of communication for us. We show up and we do Bible study and we go home. We show up, we attend worship and we go home. And we show up the next week and we attend and we go home. And we're building no long-lasting relationships because we have no healthy communication with one another. If you think healthy communication is necessary for your relationship with God, it's necessary for your relationships at church. Ask yourself this question. If I stopped coming to church today, if today was the last time I was in this building, who would notice? And why would they notice? If your answer is nobody, and your answer is, well, there's, there's nothing that would be going on that wouldn't be going on because I was there or weren't there, I'd say your relationship with church is very unhealthy. And there needs to be a change in the communication between you and the church. You got to understand, I could leave tomorrow. Somebody be up here next Sunday. I can get a stomach bug on Saturday night. Somebody's going to be up here preaching. But if we're not in communication, nobody's going to check on me. Nobody's going to say, Nathan, what happened? Nathan, are you sick? Are you feeling well? When Corey stood up here, do you know how many people reached out to me and were checking on me and showing me love? It was, it was so encouraging. It was wonderful. What about somebody that's not up here preaching? Somebody just sitting out here. Do you check on them? When somebody's sister dies in the hospital, do we reach out to them and take them food? When somebody has a heart attack, do we follow up with them and love them well? When somebody's mother dies, do we show up when the need is there? Or is the first time that our Sunday school class has communicated is when we're trying to scramble last minute and do something for these people that we're not even sure that they were in our Sunday school class? Communication is vital for a healthy relationship. And what COVID has done, it has made us so comfortable with just showing up and not communicating. So if we want to have healthy relationships within this church, we have to communicate. If we want to have healthy relationships with God himself, we have to communicate. And it can't just be pleasantries. It can't be polite all the time. Sometimes it has to be real and raw. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately... All the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him and asked, and he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. 
For he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him immediately, it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it often casts him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the child of the father cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter into him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. You know what you see in Mark chapter 9 in those verses? Some ugly conversation. Some very necessary communication, but it's kind of ugly. It may not seem ugly when we read it, but this man comes to Jesus and he is ticked off. Do you know you can go to Jesus when you're mad? Do you know that when the church hurts your feelings, you can still go to Jesus and tell Jesus, I was trying to be a part of the group of disciples that were meeting together there in Covington County. You know that church that calls himself Bethany? And they couldn't do anything to help me. You can still run to Jesus. He'll still listen. You can dog out his disciples. He'll still listen. That's what just happened. I brought my son. This was my last resort. There's a demon in my son causing him to jump in fires sometimes. My son has no hope. So I came to you. I came to you and your disciples met me and they could do nothing. And Jesus says, well, what's going on? How can I help? He says, how long has it been happening? And the man says, it's been happening for for a long time. If you can do anything. This man has the audacity to say to Jesus, if you're able is that polite? Is that, is that nice? Is that a southern colloquialism where we go, well, you know, if you're able to come, we sure would love to have you. No. Your disciples couldn't do anything. How am I supposed to expect that you could do anything better? And Jesus says, if I can. Listen, there is nothing impossible for somebody who has faith. If you'll just believe. And that man says, You know what? I do believe, Jesus, but you got to help me because I'm riddled with unbelief right alongside my belief. That's a very raw, real conversation with God. Do you know if you're doubting whether God exists, you can pray without ceasing to God saying, I'm not sure you're real and I need reassurance. I want to believe, but there is unbelief filling my heart. Jesus, help my unbelief. When we pray without ceasing, that's what some of our prayers tend to sound like or look like. It's okay to talk to Jesus in that way, respecting who He is and what He's done. It's okay. 
when you communicate ceaselessly with the Father, you have to be honest. You have to be raw. If you try to say these fancy nonsense, we praise thee, O God, for thy art thou Father of mine own enemies of mine great thing. It's, that's, the Lord knows what you're thinking in your heart. You're not trying to impress anybody. The other day somebody prayed and they said, was that a good prayer? I said, did you talk to Jesus? They said, yes, it's a great prayer. You did awesome. There's, there's no requirement of fancy language. Pray without ceasing. Be real. Be raw. Share your deepest, darkest secrets with Jesus. Because guess what? He already knows. You think nobody knows? Nobody may know, but he does. So go ahead talk to him about it. You might as well, because then when we're praying without ceasing, when we have real healthy communication with the Father, there will be power in our prayers. We pray without ceasing because it's a relationship we maintain with God. And when we maintain that relationship, when we have real raw communication, there is power in our prayers Look with me at James chapter 5, verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. See, this ties back to praying without ceasing because sometimes we have to confess to the Lord like we just talked about. The deepest, darkest sins that we have in our life, even if we haven't told anybody else. Sometimes we have to confess to the Lord what's going on in our heart. We have to have real, raw communication. But if we are righteous, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. As it is working. So when we pray without ceasing, we experience God's power. When we pray without ceasing, when we have open, honest, real, and sometimes raw communication with God the Father, there will be power in our prayers. But it says, it has this descriptor in it if you're righteous. What, is it, what does it mean to be righteous? Does it mean that I haven't sinned today? Does that, does that make me righteous? Is that what it does? If I can go a week without sinning, then maybe God will listen to my prayer and it will be powerful. Maybe I've just sinned too much and God can't hear me and I'm not righteous, so that's the problem. No. No. To be righteous... We have to trust in the righteousness of Jesus. You see, you and I have no righteousness. The Bible tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So if you're working your way to heaven and trying to earn your way into God's favor, the righteousness you think that you've accrued in your heart and in your life is no better than dirty toilet paper to Jesus. The only way to be righteous in the sight of God, is to take the righteousness of Christ and put it on like new clothes. 
The old has to pass away. The new has to be born. And if we are born again, then God Himself will make us righteous. He will impute or give or impress upon us His righteousness. There is no righteousness in humanity. Romans chapter 3 says there is no one righteous. No, not one. There's nothing you can do to be righteous in God's sight in and of your own power. The only righteousness comes from God, from trusting in Jesus, by beginning that relationship with Him. And if we trust in Him, if we genuinely have a relationship with Jesus, He will make us righteous by His blood that He shed on the cross for us. And His blood will cover our sins and we will be righteous so that the prayer of those who are righteous, those who are in Jesus, will be powerful and effective and we can pray without stopping. Folks, that's how it works. No relationship, no righteousness. No relationship, no communication. It all goes hand in hand. It all works together. We don't work for our salvation, but the relationship we have with Jesus has natural byproducts that keep the relationship going. Like praying without ceasing. Because God's made us righteous. And you think, Pastor, we've been going through chapter 5, and there isn't any way that I can do all this stuff every day. That's okay. The Lord doesn't really expect you to. There's a reason we've been reading to the end of the passage every time we focus on even two words like last week, rejoice always. Look with me at verse 23. Verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, our main passage for this morning. How can I rejoice always? How can I pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances and not quench the spirit and not despise prophecies and test everything and abstain from evil? How can I do all of that? Like, do I make a checklist? You said we don't need a checklist, but it sounds like i got to make a checklist. How can I make all of this happen? If you're in relationship with God. If you're communicating with the Father. If you trust in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus as the only way, the only truth, and the only life, God's going to do it anyway. God's going to do it through you. Verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. I got to sanctify myself. I got to set myself apart, right? I got to set myself apart from this world. That's what that sanctification is. I trust in Jesus and then I make myself look more and more and more like Jesus. Yeah, that's a good aim, but you're never going to do it. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. That's how you become a Pharisee. When you sit in your high tower and you just judge all the sins that everybody else has allowed into their life that you cut out. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about how hard we can work. God will himself sanctify those who trust in him. His Holy Spirit at work in our heart will cause us day by day to hate our sin more to be drawn closer and closer to him. He says, he who calls you, in verse 24, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. There's no doubt. If you trust in Jesus, if his Holy Spirit is within you, 
The Holy Spirit will sanctify you. The Holy Spirit will help you and I to hate our sin and to fall more and more in love with God every day. And then that praying without ceasing won't seem like, all right, this morning I just drug myself out of bed. I better say a prayer. We'll wake up and roll out of bed and say, God, here's another day. Just need to talk to you. I want you to know, Lord, I ain't feeling it this morning. I feel like garbage. I don't know how I'm going to go to school and teach them kids. I don't know how I'm going to go to Power South and keep the lights on. I don't know how I'm going to operate on them people. I don't know how I'm going to be a nurse for those folks. I don't know how I'm going to be a parent to these babies. I don't know how I'm going to go to school today and deal with those teachers. Jesus, I don't know how it's going to work. But he's the first person you want to talk to about how you don't know it's going to work. It's going to change your want to. It won't be a ritual that's part of your religion. It'll be communication. Like when you wake up in the morning and you look at your beautiful spouse lying there in the bed next to you. And they open their mouth and they say, good morning, my love. And you say, your breath is atrocious. (laughs) That's part of the relationship. That's praying without ceasing. It's okay to have real good talks with Jesus. And sometimes your breath might be stinky. And that's okay too. How are you doing in your communication with God? Do you pray because it's what you're supposed to do? Or do you pray because you love Jesus and you need to talk to Him? Do you not pray because you just don't have a relationship with God? If that's you, that's okay. You can change that right now, this morning. You can pray your first real prayer to Him and say, Jesus, I want to be in a relationship with you for the rest of my life. The relationship I want with you is I want you to be in charge. I want you to be my boss. I want you to save me. I want you to forgive me. And I want to spend the rest of my life in relationship with you as my father, as my friend, with me as your child. Lead me on, Lord. And from this day forward, I'm going to pray and we're going to keep up this relationship. It's going to work out. And you can have confidence that it will work out because he's going to make sure it does. This morning, where do you stand when it comes to praying without ceasing? In light of this text, let's pray. God in heaven, I just thank you, Lord, that it, of all the ways that you could have created to save us, This was the perfectly crafted way. Not for some list of rules and regulations. Not some to-do list. Lord, you didn't tell us to pray without ceasing or else. You said, hey, I want a relationship with you. So be willing to pray without ceasing. Be willing to talk to me all the time because I want to hear from you. That's what you said to us in your word. Father, forgive us where that's not been our attitude towards you. Where we look at it like a chore. Where we take you and put you on the back burner. Because we know you'll be there. Where we talk to anyone and everyone in our lives more than we talk to you. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to establish healthy communication. Because we can't do it without you. 
Lord, and if there's anyone here who lacks healthy communication with you because they don't know you and they've never begun that relationship with you, would you move on their heart and draw them unto salvation right now this morning? We ask all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.